Listen to this. Zakawani, the flying winger. Here's Brad Evans. It's Steve. It's Steve. Who is it? It's Brad Evans. <laughs> Happy days are here again. Turning with a drive. It's Steve Zakawani. Evans with the left foot. He's an attacking threat, Brad Evans. This is so weird. The party has started. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Side by Side. We are recording this as the Sounders prepare to take on Minnesota United this weekend. And coming off, I mean, a couple of losses, really, uh, since that CCL win. Obviously, FC Dallas away last week. And I think it's a game we all kind of knew might go that way, and it did. And then Open Cup was Open Cup, and it was good to be back at Starfire and see the team there and the fans there. It's a way different atmosphere and experience, but... Sounders going to an epic penalty shootout, and it's Brad's friend who put the team out. Um, he scored and put the team out. Um, and San Jose is, you know, it's, it's a, they're a good team. They're a good team. I still think the Sounders, because of the lineup, you know, I, mean, I understand why they don't quite win the game. It would have been nice to put them away and win on penalties, but um, it wasn't to be. Um, where to begin, really, is that, I mean, we won't take long on this at all is that game against FC Dallas. Um, Casey Keller on the air called it, you know, he says, it's a game you expect to lose. And I think he was right. You know, I don't think the Sounders, in since, you know, day one, have ever gone to a game saying, you know, we want to lose, but that one, you can, ex- you can accept a defeat there. Um, and it ended up being 2-0. Um, curious, let's go. You guys' thoughts on that game. I know we did it on the air, Brad. I know you're watching at home. Um, what you thought about the game really was a game of two halves as well. Because first half, actually, was, like, oh, wow, maybe we can win. And then I think Dallas kind of turned it up a little bit. And I will say this. If that's their best, then the Sounders have nothing to worry about. Yeah, I think Dallas, uh, that first half, they were sleeping a little bit. And I think they went into halftime and either their coach ripped them or someone in the locker room took a hold and said, guys, what are we doing? We have a, a tremendous opportunity at home here to, to get some points. And it took them, you know, the better part of the second half to get on the board. And then uh, at the end of the day, it's a 2 nothing loss. But yeah, I think, like you said, it's, it's one where you kind of just shake it off. Um, you're coming off the biggest emotional high um, that the club has faced in the middle of a season. Um, you know, you can say that open cups were, you know, really high. Uh, but obviously this Champions League trumps it. And it's really hard to, to regroup and, um, you know, get a result. But if you look around, you know, the European champions, they're, they're able to do it on a consistent basis, right? That's why they're always top of the table. The top four are generally there for a reason. It's because top to bottom, they've got the best roster and, and the highest quality players. MLS, the parity is just, it's too close. Every team is is good. And on any day, any team can win. So, it's a little bit more difficult in our league, I think, than others. Um, you know, we can compare ourselves, but at the same time, we've got to really take a deeper look at rosters uh, throughout the league. And for the Sounders to compete with the, the two rosters that they've put out the past two games, I mean, it was competitive. It's not like they got ran over. Right. Um, I think, like you said, that's a good thing moving forward. And it's always disappointing to go out of Open Cup, especially at home. Uh, penalty kicks, you know, Bersano steps up and... Um, you know, I, I told Becky on the couch, like, 100% chance he scores his penalty kick for sure. There's just – he's too good with his feet. I mean, he might as well be a, be a, be a field player. And he stood on his head that game. And, and yeah. credit to, to him, he took his opportunity, much like 
Cleveland did, you know, two years ago, stepped up and took his opportunity. And that's why he's been here for the long term. That's why, you know, Bersano left the Sounders and ultimately found a good home in San Jose, was a grinder with Reno and has found himself back with San, San Jose's first team. So uh, a credit to him. He's a good goalkeeper. And, um, you know, Steph would love to have that PK back for sure. Uh, just pick a corner. If you miss it wide or hit the post, at least you went for the corner, right? Uh, so a little bit disappointing to go out that way. But now the Sounders can focus on the regular season and really focus on getting into a rhythm. And that's what I thought about this week is hopefully soon, you know, in the next, you know, three, four, five weeks, we can see the Sounders at their best, um, like we're seeing other teams. Because we know when this first team is playing good and consistent, they're really good, right? That's We've only seen it in Champions League so far. Yeah, this yeah. team fully fit and focused on Champions League and intermittently yeah. you had some MLS games and clearly they weren't focused on MLS at all. Um, but there's going to be no sleep for the weary because I don't think there's any more international breaks. The Sounders have utilized everything. So from here on out, they're going to have to put in the work, but it affords the team to get into a rhythm and uh, really just focus on MLS play. Now, now the goal should be make, make the playoffs. Right. And just set yourself up for, for a good playoff run and, and get back to playing your best, get guys healthy and just get into a rhythm. Because when these guys get into a rhythm, they're going to be really, really good. Uh, and we saw it in Champions League. So no worries. I'm not concerned. Disappointed. Of course, you never want to lose. But we have such a long season to go. Two games in hand, if I'm not mistaken. Three, three on some teams. Three yeah. on some. So, yeah. We're fine. Uh, stay healthy. Get into a rhythm. All good. Yeah. I was talking to my parents about their baseball people, and they just can't wrap their head around the fact that we have like four tournaments that we play every single season. It's just this concept. They're just like, wait, so that game didn't count for this, but this one counted for that. Right. And I mean, it makes it so hard to prioritize. I think that the Sounders did exactly the right thing, prioritizing CCL, and it paid off. <laughs> Um, so you can't go back and regret anything. And like you guys said, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah. Real quick, Steve. I just, I just think they've been very good about their selection of players in every game this year. And number one was to win CCO. And number two was to keep guys healthy. And number three, in doing that, you have to rotate. And we've seen the Sounders in the past play at Starfire, put guys on the bench, put them in the game, and they get injured. And then they're out for three, four, five weeks. And I don't think the Sounders are in a position right now where they can just throw guys out into a game, and if they get injured, it's okay. We've kind of dug ourselves a hole with Champions League. And so I think that the lineup against San Jose was, was perfect. Um, it was good enough to get a result. And the substitutes, great. We didn't risk anyone. And now it's up to the guys to say, okay, the team has managed my minutes and, and my games wisely and who plays and who doesn't. Now these guys better show up and perform the rest, the rest of the season. Yeah. Hey, Brad, do you think that this has benefited like Jackson Reagan a lot in particular, just because he's been able to play? He was, he was great in US Open Cup. He's been able to sort of yeah. solidify himself on the back line just because of the playing time he's gotten. Yeah, of course. I think, you know, we, we played U Prep, his former high school, um, the day before at Starfire in the stadium. 
and so he was there watching his his high school team play. And so I talked to him after the game and, you know, he just said it's, it's a great opportunity. He's feeling good. And, you know, it's it's time for him to, to step up. And sometimes in that situation, you're, you're chomping at the bit to, to make an impression and, and do a little bit too much. And I think he just needs to be in a place where the game is going to come to him and the games are going to come to him. He just needs to be patient. He's so young. He, he could play another 10, 15 years if he just stays patient and stays, you know, mostly healthy. And he has to just eliminate those little mistakes. Um, and if he does that, he'll be vying for a starting spot next year for sure. Um, I don't yeah. see it this year just yet. Um, they've got to play out Javier and get him a good run of games and see what he can do continuously. So he just, he just needs to be patient. Um, but yes, all the, all these, you know, games are opportunities. He'll, he'll get some games here and there because the, the schedule is going to get crowded real quick. Internationals breaks are going to come up. Ariaga is going to be gone. So just be patient, put your head down and work. That's it. Yeah. And obviously the team has to go on a run. We know that. Um, we didn't, I don't think we got into this too deeply in the last um, show, but there'll be no job pop, you know, for this season. And that's, it, it, for me, it can't be understated how big of a loss. When you talk about best players on the team or most important players, you can go any way. There's a strong argument to be made for Stefan Frank, of course. A strong one for Nico, for Raul. You can say Christian to an extent. I think JP's right there in that conversation um, in terms of influence and importance. I mean, he's been fantastic since arriving. When you start to think as a coach, solutions you know for years we've debated what's the best role for Christian in this team and for a long time it was in the middle of the pitch I think for this specific team he needs to be on the outside um, as a right midfielder because he plays that role so well his connection with his brother behind him he's able to know when to come inside he covers Nico he can still be box to box so moving him back into a six role I don't know it's the best thing, but then I think, do you go with Rusnak, who's not the best defensively? I mean, he could get away with it when, with JP because JP covered so much ground and Rusnak would pick and choose his moments and did it well. Um, do you go Rusnak and Vargas and say, this is going to carry us through the year? Or does Goff have to be on the phone? Craig White will have to be on the phone with you know Central American teams, European teams, whoever it is, other teams within the league for trades to figure out when this window opens we have to get someone, otherwise we're not going to make it. So I just wonder, how would you solve that problem? Obviously, a great signing is great, but there's no guarantee that player comes in, fits in, hits the ground running, mid-season signing, it can be tough in this league. Do you feel confident if they have to go Rusnak and then next to him, it's going to be a rotation, a combination of Vargas, Atencio, Leva, and then maybe in a pinch, Christian? How do you solve that problem? Yeah, I think right now you you have to be on the phone. You you have to entertain all offers at all times. Uh, you have to keep Christian high. He's been so prolific last year and this year offensively, and he'll still do the work defensively. That's not a question. It's not like he's a player that only does offensive work. He's going to track back and, and work his ass off on both sides of the ball. And he's he's just so good up front right now. Um Rusnak is still a wild card for me. I mean, I, th I think he had a great game and, and did what was asked of him. And Obed did as well. Now, is that just rising to the occasion? And can he do it consistently is the biggest question mark. Atencio is more defensive. I think they'll have to tinker with it for the next month and a half, two months, and see if it works. It'll be a telling few games. 
I think we'll, we'll, we, we will know our answer in the next, you know, three, four, five MLS games. And then from there, we'll, we'll have this discussion again. But I think for right now, you, you're on the horn looking for a, you know, steady D mid. Um, but so much has been talked about Atencio and Obed and, and these guys saying, yeah, they're, they're MLS ready. They're MLS caliber. Okay. Well, you're going to have to play them now and they're going to have to prove it. So proof is in the pudding. We'll, we'll find out. Um, but if I'm Craig and, 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 and Garth, yeah, of course I'm, I'm looking at other options to, to plug in. There's a reason he's a DP and you just, the, the quality of players just that much better. So um, he's a special player. It's a, it's a tough loss. Of those three, Leva, Vargas, Atencio, who's most ready? Or who are you being someone who played that role for the club for many years? Who's the most ready of those three um, from what you've seen? I mean, we're going back three or four years now for Leva. He broke in, it seems like a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but they're the three young guys who play in the same role pretty much. Who's the most trustworthy at this point? Yeah, I think for me, I, I, I would play Obed. Um, if I could sit in there with any one of them, it would probably be Obed. I don't think any of uh, the, the issue is, is that none of them are physically um, yeah. dominant except for Atencio. And sometimes you need that as a number six, but you don't really face too many MLS teams that are lumping the ball. The number six used to be a guy that was just winning headers off goal kicks and, you know, clearing balls that, that weren't getting to the center backs. And the way that the Sounders play, you don't necessarily have to be a big guy. And Obed's proved that. I think Leva's probably third on my list. Um, I just haven't seen enough quality consistently out of him. Uh, I think he's more of an attacking player anyways. But I, I say you play Obed and, and give him a chance. He, he's going to make mistakes. Um, but in terms of like that savviness and, and how good he is on the ball, if he can keep it, um, I would play him. He, he and Atencio both have a tendency to be too square. Jao Paulo just reads the space so much better, uh, even though he's not as big. But they, they need to work on their defensive shape and, and defensive um, positioning on the field anyways. But that only comes with playing games. Yeah. So what, what, what do you think, Steve? I have to agree because what I was having this conversation with Keith and Casey in the booth of air, just talking in general about young players. I think Dobelair was starting um, that game against um, FC Dallas. And, you know, I said each time the coach puts these guys out, it's an opportunity and you have to take it and do something that, you know, it's okay to come in as a young player and just not make mistakes. That will get you some playing time. But when you can actually add to what the team's doing, you go right to the top of the list. Um, when I think of, you know, Dobelair and some of the others, yeah, they've been fine, but there's been nothing there that I'm like, okay, they, wow, this person really is knocking on the door. The only one I've ever felt that way about is Obed Vargas. He actually has something on the ball. I mean, he's turning guys at times. He can dribble into the spaces. Um, and I think just as he gets more confident and the guys give him that confidence and, you know, he's not trying to defer to some of the more veteran senior players, I, I like him a lot. Now, I think defensively he can still improve, of course. He's not the biggest guy, but he's clearing above in that list. And if I'm picking a team to win me a game on Sunday, um, it's Russ Knight and it's Obed Vargas next to him. Now, 
long term, I don't think that gets you back to MLS Cup. I don't think so. I think you do have to go because you're thinking now when you play a tough game away in New England in the playoffs and it's Carlos Hill or whatever, if you have to go then, I don't know which if Rusnak and Obed are shutting down the other team's best playmakers, you know, Carlos Vela. These when those types of games start to take place, the ones that really mean something, I think that's where you'll miss a JP. And that's why JP is JP. But regular season, pick up points, especially at home games. Um, Vargas, I think, has separated himself from Atencio and Leiva and any of the young players we've ever had in recent years coming through. I think he's the one that I see something and I'm like, he, on the ball, he surprised me because he can dribble, he can turn, he's skillful. Um, and I think that puts him just a little bit in front of the other guys. And I, I'd expect him to start on, on, on Sunday. And you know, if you talk about his partner next to him, I don't know what to make of Rusnak. I don't know because I liked him a lot at Salt Lake, but he had the freedom of the pitch to go wherever he wanted. He can go to the left back and get the ball. He can go probably go back to the goalkeeper and ask for the ball. He doesn't have that freedom here yet. And we saw him picking up spaces higher up the pitch. Is he Was he really signed to come to Seattle and be a six that completes 10-yard passes? I don't think so. And that's where I think we have to be a bit more honest and say, yeah, he's been okay. He's been good. But for the player he is, and he's a fantastic, he's an international level player um, for his national team. Um, I think you can get more. I still think you can get more, more of an impact. When he's on the pitch, I really want to feel that we have one of the top playmakers in MLS has joined our club. Right now we're getting someone who can complete passes and do a job. And I think we need more. How do you get more out of him? Is it another formation change? Because Nico's not going anywhere, right? The only other spot is that Christian rolled on. That's a that's a switch that you could make, right? But Christian that's what I was leaning. But if you put Christian back in the six, right? You does Nico still have it in him to play on the right like he did when he first came? Because Nico can play on the right. Now I don't know if that works anymore. And then now you're giving the 10 to a snack. And now you have a line of Nico. Rusnak and Jordan Morris behind yeah. Raul. That's really good still. Um, I just don't know if Nico can still play that role in the perfect way he played it. He'd come inside, he'd roam, he'd do that. I don't know. But I think you can try that. I think they will try that at some point. And Rusnak closer to the goal, closer to Raul, closer to Nico. That can't be a bad thing, I wouldn't think. I, I just see this team almost built for a 4-4-2 diamond. Mm. With... Explain, take us through it. With Nico, I mean, you have Alex and you have Nuhu, guys that are going to run all day long up and down the line, right? You got two center backs that sit and stay. You can put Atencio as the number six to patrol. And then you've got Christian, Rusnak, and Nico somewhere in there as a diamond. And then put Jordan and... and uh, and Raul up top. And what Jordan can do is he can just shade to one side or the other and isolate himself on the wing because that's exactly what Espindola used to do. Yeah. Right. That could work to get all these guys in a more attacking role because they're, they're possession-based players. In 4-4-2 diamond, these guys love 10-yard passes, five 10-yard passes, boom, 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 right? Yeah. It could be effective. I, I don't know if, if, if it's still feasible in the, in the modern game for that diamond to play, but that could be... You know, I, think I think it's a great shout because, yeah, then you're getting you know, in that diamond, Christian to the right of it, Albert to the left of it, Nico at the top point, yeah. Tensio at the bottom point. 
if Jordan is peeling out to the left anyway, you have Raul staying high, occupying the centre-backs. Christian can play that role the same way he's playing it now. Nico gets to be a 10. Albert is central, but can peel. I think actually there's a lot of a lot of merit there, a lot of value, I think, in that sort of formation. Now, would a club do it? I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think, I think that could work. It could work. I, I, yeah. Do we see another formation change? I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, philosophically, though, for you guys, doesn't it make, just playing crazy devil's advocate, doesn't it make sense to just put the personnel in their best place to succeed? Or is it, you know, such a drastic thing to switch a formation? I mean, it, you guys it, know better. The, the, the only downside I can see to that formation is just defensively. Um, gotcha. If you meet a really good team, because a lot of teams now they're playing 4 3 3 or 4 2 3 1. The middle of the pitch, there's so many numbers there, and a very good team that can keep the ball and stuff. Um, you can maybe exploit the Sanders a bit more that way, um, but I actually like it. I think um, it does get your best, you got to get your best players on the pitch in Everton. You have mm-hmm. to, um, right. there's such a gap at time between the starting 11 or let's say the top 14 players and everybody else. Um, you have to find a way to get your best guys on the pitch. And this, I think, would allow him to do that. And Jordan, as much as he's become this winger, I think deep down in his heart would love the chance to go back to being a nine, um, doing it in his way. So it's possible. It's possible. We'll see what happens. Um, real quick, I don't know if we have, um, if we've been able to see them too much, etc. But Minnesota is a team we've had their number um, for the most part. Um, I really don't know what to make of them. I think I've said this before, where you have almost expansion teams are coming to the league going to almost one or two buckets. It's not an exact science, but you have the Sounders. I put Atlanta there. Um, we'll give Portland some credit. They got it right eventually. Um, LAFC, I think, came out. Teams that come out, make a splash, they get it right with the branding, the fans, and a good on-field product. Um, then you get teams you get hor- horribly wrong. Um, Cincinnati being a recent example of that, where it just hasn't worked. Obviously, Pat Noonan is there now. He's trying to change some things around. Um, Minnesota, Orlando, I would say, is kind of, I don't know what to make of them. Minnesota, I don't know, because I feel like they have the stadium. They've had good support. But for whatever reason, they've always, to me, looked like they've fallen short at times, or maybe they shouldn't. Obviously, the big collapse against the Sounders a couple of years back, that benefits us. But a top team puts that game away, um, I think. And I just, I'm not convinced by Minnesota. I don't know what, are they a big club? Are they not a big club? I don't know what to make of them. And of course, for the Sounders, we've had their number, but curious as to you guys' position on, when you think of, when I think of Atlanta, I think of a big club. I think of LAFC, I say, yeah, they can be a big club. I don't know what Minnesota, I really don't know. Yeah, Minnesota to me, so in college football in the Midwest, there's Michigan and Michigan State, and Michigan State is always called the little brother to Michigan. And I kind of view Minnesota and like, oh God, I mean, this sounds so bad, but I think of them as like a little brother club kind of like Mm. they have the fans. Michigan State has the fans. They have like a good team that they put out decently. I mean, consistently, they're never terrible. They're always kind of up there. I think right now they're in the middle of the table. Um, It's just kind of a little brother club. I don't know. I don't know. I have a better way to describe it, man. Like that's just. I I don't know. Yeah. Brad, is Minnesota a big club or no? Um, I think in their mind, they're a big club. Yeah. Um, they've got their own stadium, right? Exactly. Yeah. They've yeah. got support. They've, you know, been a playoff team the last couple of years. So I, I do think that they've got some momentum and something to build on. 
Are they seen as a big club around the league? No, um, not yet. Uh, two years ago, I think they were probably, you know, at their height. Yeah. Um, last year they were, they were okay. And I think this year they're still trying to figure things out. You know, you lose to Cincinnati, um, one nothing, and, and but you know, a new change with Pat Noonan. He's got some things going for Cincinnati. Um, you know, LAFC obviously is flying right now. So another team that you kind of can't really figure out uh, just yet. I don't. I don't think they found their identity in true form. But we've been saying that about this team for quite a while now. So um, almost like they need. What, what do they need to get over the hump? Is it yeah. really good players? Is it a right. coaching change? What What is keeping them from being a great team? Because they're in a great market with a stadium with great fans. Now they just need to find a way to push themselves over that hump. And I think it's quality of players in, in certain positions. Um, and, and, and maybe a higher quality coach. I don't know too much about you know, their head coach, except for, you know, he was a USL coach and then, you know, became an MLS coach. So I, I don't know what they need, but it seems to me that they're, they're, they're okay with where they're at. That's the feeling I get. Did, did we play them already this season? Yeah, we won. That's, that's, that's their place. Joe Paulo scored that. Okay, we did. Yeah. That was probably um, our best MLS game this year. Was that? Yeah. Minnesota? Yeah. I remember that game. But, but yeah. They beat Red Bull. Right. One nothing yeah. in New York. Yeah. So, again, we're talking about a team. Every time we talk about them, we look at their schedule and we look at their results. Which team are we going to get? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a toss up. Yeah. Um, predictions for Sunday. Obviously, again, I, I don't really like the term anymore. Must win because it, if the Sunday's don't win, it's not the end of the world. But I'm saying must win more so, not for the points, I think for the momentum to show, because the Sounders lose this. I think the first set of doubts begin to creep in and, oh, like, are we going to struggle this year? Whereas Sounders come out, win 2-0, 3-0. It's like, okay, we told you we were focused on the CCL. And now that's all done. Open Cup's done. This is when the business of the MLS regular season now, we're going to start putting teams away. I think there's, there's a need for kind of an emphatic home win, get a goal from Raul, Nico, I think you have to come in, put a CCL type performance that they have at home, especially in this type of game to just completely remove. I don't think there's many doubts at all, but to completely remove them. So we're just like, we're still the Sounders. We're still around. So I think a must win from that perspective. If the Sounders lose, yeah, I think it's the first set of doubts may just start to creep in. But with that said, I do expect a home win. I expect at the closest it will be will be like a 2-1, but one of those comfortable 2-1s. Or I think the Sounders can put yep. two or three goals um, on this team, I think. Yeah, I said I said I would say 3-1. I think Minnesota's got some quality, um, but I know Steph will be searching for a shutout. Yeah. You need to get a shutout in this game to, to give yourself some confidence moving forward. He, he would love to have a shutout. Let's not forget, this is a guy – and hopefully we can get him on the podcast because there's no reason why he shouldn't be with the national team right now. And if he wants any shot at being number three, he's got to be in that conversation of continuous shutouts. That's what coaches are looking for, right? Yeah. Is continuous shutouts. And for him, he should be licking his chops. Uh, he's gotten a real, I think he should have a real shot at being a number three. You need that experience on the roster 
You need someone who's playing week in, week out, and has been through the doldrums, right? He's done MLS Cups. He's done, um, you know, CCL now. What, what more do you need from a number three? A number three is a guy that you bring for experience, right? Maybe he doesn't play a minute, but you need him in the locker room. That's your, he is your Nick Romando for 2022, right? That guy who's been through MLS and knows all the guys and can be great in the locker room and is going to train his ass off. Um, you need that guy on the roster, I think. I mean, Casey's great friends with Greg. I've told him, I was like, get on the phone. Like, oh, I just want to, I want to know Greg's thinking. I, yeah. I, yeah. I think, uh, I think some quotes came out from Greg this week about his goalkeepers and sort of saying, I'm good with what I have and I'm comfortable. I, I, I don't know that that's a justification for why Stefan Fry is not getting a sniff, you know? So I, it, it's a strange one, really, really strange one. As good as Steph has been, um, it's a strange one. Um, before we go, I was having this conversation we started talking about um, just great goalkeepers, et cetera. And Casey came up and I bring Casey up here because I don't know that I have the words to explain year one and year two, especially year one, how good um, Casey Keller was. And that convo was on the back of um, Garth saying Nico was the best signing in MLS mm. history of everybody. And we started thinking, like, you know, top soundest players of all time. And again, I don't think you can really compare it. I don't know. How do I compare Oba to Nico to Clint? I don't know. All great players, leave it at that. But if I really think about it, I don't know that I've seen anybody at the level of Casey in that first year. We would have games on the road where you're under the cosh. We should lose 5-0. We should. And he would make some, it was like every game, 3-4, World-class saves. His training was insane, the way he trained. Um, so I was thinking about that. So I don't know if you guys have a take on Garth's quotes in general, but my vote actually is going to, the more I think about it, I go to Casey Keller. I think he was the one that I've never seen anyone play at that level before. Well, I think when you look at the history of, of our modern MLS era, mm. it's the most important signing. Yeah. Because... We are not in the situation we're in right now without Casey. Yeah. The way that clubs work are you're, you're building new clubs work. You're, you're building something successful, trying to, and that attracts the type of player that brings you a Nico Ladero. Yeah. You're not a shit team for seven to 10 right. years, and then all of a sudden you get to sign a Nico Ladero, right? I remember the same thing happened in, in Columbus, historically, they're a really good team. Yeah. And you get to sign Shaletto. And when he showed up, he knew the whole history of the club, right? He knew all the previous players, top goal scorers, assists, what the record was last the previous year, goals for, goals against, everything. And you don't get to sign that player without having a rich history in your club. You don't have a rich history in a winning tradition without signing Casey Keller here, right? And that is so pivotal for us and, and important when we talk about the history of the club is getting off to that start that we did the first two, three years, especially winning that first Open Cup, which was massive in, in DC, Yeah. right? Yeah, I, 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 I would agree with that. I, I think it's really hard to say the most important signing Every two or three years, we have a banner that goes up at the stadium that I look and I'm like, damn, that was a really good player and so important for us. And then three years later, and they put up another TIFO and there's another player who's been so important for us. Yeah. I, I can't choose a most important player. Um, it's hard to argue with hardware. 
but you don't get to where we are right now without a signing like like Casey because yeah. Minnesota, right. Portland, right? You don't, you don't LA, LAFC. That's been their struggle, like a right? permanent goalkeeper. Yeah, that just dominance. Yeah, have yeah. to get off to a good start and, and continue that. So yeah. it's a great argument. Um, yeah. well, maybe not an argument, but a good topic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say I'll give um, Nico this. I think in Sounders history, I don't care in MLS era. There's no other way to slice it. There's a before and after Nico Ladero came. Like he split. He, he there's yeah. been a shift. He's taken it to as good as I can say. You know our earlier teams were. And we you know going three times in a row, four times in a row to the Open Cup final. That's not easy to do making the playoffs back then. And, you know, he's come. And I think aside from support shows and open cup, he's won everything he can win with the club. And he's been one of the main reasons why the club has. So you have to give him that credit. Um, he's bought into it. What a fantastic um, captain and player he's been. So I'll give him that. But yeah, there's no way to really know all great players. Um, fun argument. Uh, Keely, over and under? Yeah, so um, it's an over-under quick trivia edition for the celebration of the 50th anniversary of Title IX, which the Sounders are celebrating on Sunday as well. Um, So I figured let's do a little bit of trivia from some of our female athletes across the region. So let's start with Seattle Storm. Sue Bird has been in the league since 2002. How many games has one of the goats of women's basketball played on for the Storm? Over-under 550. Over. Since w- when did she sign? 2002. So she's 40 years old? 2002, guys. That's insane. Is, is she playing more than 27, 30 games a year, essentially, around that? In 20 years, I think, yes. Over. 40 times 20 for, for just WNBA. Yes, just including, WNBA. Including playoffs. Regular season WNBA. Regular season WNBA. There's probably, yeah, 30. Five games, maybe, for them? 40? Around that, yeah. I think it's 34 or something like that. I mean, she's had some injuries recently. I I would say over. I think she's been around so long. I'll say over. I mean, it's got to be around, what, 633. (laughs) Very specific math that you guys are getting into. Uh, It was 552. I did just a slightly over. Uh, Price is right uh, over under. Um, I didn't know if like games fluctuated, if there were more games back in the day, if there were more now. I I just can't believe 500. That's so many freaking games. And that she's been in the league since 2002, which I'm not going to age myself and say what year in school I was in, but that's a long time ago. She's a legend. Yeah, she's a legend. Gold gold medals. Oh, shoot. Let's look that up. Sue Bird gold medal. Five. Five, she won five of them. Yeah, I know she five gold medals. Yeah, she, she's a legend. She is. She might be one of Seattle's sports best athletes. I won't say yeah. where, um, but I did bump into another one, Sean Kemp. Um, no. Uh, I saw Sean. He was with his son celebrating his son's birthday, and you know we have some mutual friends. So I, I got to hang out with him a bit, and I was thinking about that. Like who are like, the top Seattle athletes all the time? Sue Bird is in the conversation with that question. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's got to be. She's got to be. Yeah, the Mount Rushmore of Seattle yeah. athletes. What is it? Her. Uh, that's a whole other discussion. We'll get I'm into sure Ken another day. Have to be there. Ken Griffey probably. Griffey has to be there. Griffey. I mean, uh, yeah, so they many. Say, they, won't, they, they won't say anymore, but 
Russell, but he won't say it now. But um, by the he way, did you see Seahawks schedule? Yeah, <laughs> I have to be there. Oh my! Of course. Becky even said she wants to go to the game. <laughs> I just want to see it. <laughs> I've never. She has never gone to a live sporting event. Uh, one, are they going to boo him? Two, should they? And would it be understandable? Oh right. my God! They have to boo him. It's like. See, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't get that about sports. He was just your hero two months ago. Like, he's but Russell it's Wilson. like good natured, like respectful. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think you know, one, we respect how good you are, but like yeah. we can't cheer for you to beat us. I think like, you, have to, you, you have to boo him. I think but he if, wants yeah, to, if he you're wants if you're if you're the Seahawks and you hear the whole crowd like loud as hell, yeah, booing him, I think you get pretty hyped up. Yeah, yeah, you have cheering to. For him. Like it's it's a brutal sport, and you want to cheer for the opponent. I don't yeah. think there's, that's not how it works in, uh, after also, the game, Yeah. you know, in soccer, when someone gets subbed off, that's played there before, you can yeah. get, you know, Ozzy gets subbed off. Okay. Yeah. yeah cheer. Before the game. Yeah. Ah. Oh my God. And the first time he gets like sacked or whatever, it's going to oh be crazy. Uh, I bet you there's, there's gotta be a bet going on in the locker room. Those guys gotta be chomping at the bit. They're throwing down a couple there's thousand bucks for yeah. who gets the first sack. Yeah. Yeah. Unofficial, like totally, yeah. We're not yeah. doing any of these New Orleans Saints headhunting stuff anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, back to women's sports in Title IX. Mm -hmm. Um, going over to OL Reign, um, their head coach, Laura Harvey, is their current head coach, took over in 2021. She was also the original head coach of the franchise from 2012 to 2017. How many games has she coached for the women's side in Seattle? The rain only, right? No, uh, rain only, rain only. Laura, Laura, I knew because she was at Arsenal way back in the day. So I followed her and then she coached against me. Well, I did my charity game and we invited a bunch of the rain players they played and she coached a team in that game. So I have a lot of respect for her. I know she's been there for a long time and she's changed the franchise back again since coming. They're really yep. good now. I'm actually going to that game on the 29th. Uh, my think they played Kansas. Uh, it's like a midweek game. That's the double header, yeah. I think yeah, I think it's a, it's a midweek. I'll be there. But um. I don't know how many games they play a season. It's so weird. And he's like, ah, oh, man, Laura, let's say 100. I don't know. What's, what's the over under? Uh, over under was 115. Uh, under. I know it's going to be over, but I'm going to go under. <laughs> uh, this is regular season games only. Man, it? that's tough. They only play, they don't play that many games. Do that's they? my point. They don't. She probably done five seasons with them or six. I don't know. Like, I'll say under also. Yeah, it was 123 regular season games that she has coached for them. I included the two that she's done this year as well into that. If anyone is going to Google and check my work, I added the two more. Does it count so, the, cha the challenge cup? No, I just included That's regular awesome. season. Oh, okay. right. Yeah, no. Okay. Um, but super impressive, man. Like, mm -hmm. no, she, 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 she's a great coach. Yeah, great coach. Um, and just some context as to why Title IX has been so important, why we need to support women's athletics. 1972, the year it was enacted, female athletes only received 2% of college athletic budget. 2%. Mm. By 2012, the 40th anniversary of Title IX, number of female athletes competing was six times as high as it was in 1972, so it's been very effective. Yeah, yeah. wonderful, great, yeah. Good stuff. Really great, yeah, really, really good. Mm. Um, I will say, I, 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 don't know, I don't know if Brad, you probably have at some point, if you've had a chance to play against some of the um, best um, women's players. I played, I forget, it was Beverly and Jess Fishlock. And, I mean, they were really good. <laughs> they were really, 
I was trying to close down Jess. I've told her this as well at one point and she took a first touch that I was just like, I mean, she took me completely out of the game. Like, it's really high quality. And obviously, Megan has been my favourite player for a very long time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm glad. It's going in the right direction. Obviously, still a lot of work to do, I'm sure. But um, the rain at least have been, and the storm, so successful here in this region. And it's great to have them here, to be honest. Yeah, I, you know, I train with Ben Dragovan all the time. And, you know, we've, Sam Hyatt's been out there and we've done some defending and long balls and clearances. And yeah. I mean, she pings a better long ball than, <laughs> than I ever could. Yeah. <laughs> um, we need to have some of them on at some point for sure, too. Yeah, we've talked to Jess. And we've talked to Jess a couple together. people, but Laura Sophia. Will be good. Laura will be good. Sophia's friend yeah. of ours, yeah. Um, Laura Harvey will be good, actually, at some point. Um, we'll see if we make, make that happen. Um, broadcast info? Yes, uh, we are on ESPN. 108 is our kickoff. Also on the radio, 93.3 KJR, 1360 LRA as well. Our guy, Casey Keller, will actually be on the ESPN call. He's mm. going to be on TV. He's uh, doing the game or pregame? Uh, game. He is oh, on good. the call for ESPN with uh, Jake Zivin, the Lake Portland guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we can boo him and cheer Casey. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> obviously. Um, but yeah, tune in, guys. It's going to be a good one. Perfect. All right, that's us. We'll be back next week. Sounders play... Oh, it's a busy week. It's a three-week game. Three-game week. Um, Minnesota at home, away to Houston, away to Colorado. So the time to start picking up points will be now. We'll be back next week to recap the two games, Minnesota and Houston, and then we'll preview um, Colorado Rapids. As always, thanks for listening. This has been Side by Side.